Hey folks, Jeremiah, TrappingToday.com, Trapping Today Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. This is episode 25. And the last episode, I mentioned that I was going to talk about riding along a beaver trapping long line. So it's early spring, or it's, it's early, I guess, early summer? I don't know. The snow just melted like a week ago. And there's green grass all over. It's um, it's the end of the first week of May. So for whatever that is. Um, but beaver trapping season here in the great white north is um, runs fairly late. So we have a season that extends to the end of April in, in several zones in my part of the state. And the beauty of that is there's an opportunity to catch uh, very high numbers of, of beaver in a short period of time. So think about that. You got to think about um, the, the beaver trapping season as a whole in, in northern Maine. And you can probably say things similar to like northern areas of Minnesota, uh, Michigan, maybe Wisconsin. Uh, you hear a lot from those guys about very similar conditions uh, trapping. So our beaver season here, uh, we, we have very high populations of beaver. So the primary reason for that is we have a lot of water and a lot of trees. And what do beaver like? Water and trees. Water to make their dams and uh, their home, their shelter, and trees both to make the dams, to make the houses, and to eat. So we got lots of that. And what we also have is very little uh, trapping uh, pressure, very little harvest because the beaver prices are so low. So you combine all of those factors and uh, you end up with an animal that's extremely abundant. Now, not only is beaver uh, extremely abundant here, we also have a situation where the timber industry has changed significantly. Um, just basically beginning in the 1950s and 60s, uh, we transitioned in, in our area from an era where timber was harvested in the woods and driven down the streams and rivers in what they call log drives. And so there were these dams built and the streams were, a lot of them were bulldozed and they let go a bunch of water out of these dams in the springtime. They, well, they cut water, they cut wood all winter long, stack it up on the banks of these rivers and streams. And in the springtime, they would roll it into the river and they'd release a bunch of water where they had dams and they'd send them down to market. Whether that, you know, a lot of that was uh, down the large rivers and to the major uh, lumber mills. Uh, that transition, log driving became illegal sometime in the late 60s, early 70s, I believe, and just wasn't economical anymore anyway. So th- that transitioned into a system where roads were built. Uh, to haul logs by truck out of the woods. And we have, um, geez, we have, uh, we must have five or six million acres of woods up here in in this general area that's just timberland. So 
that and I'm I'm just talking about you know the zones that are encompassed this this beaver population beaver season and the the number of roads to access all of this wood this timber is is growing every year it's it's incredible how many roads are being built and these new road networks and every one of those roads for, for the most part crosses a flowing body of water a little stream a trickle a spring a river uh, and so we have all these beaver all this good habitat no pressure and more roads and every road crossing is a potential problem where a beaver will clog up culverts and and cause flooding in the roads so uh, because for all those reasons uh, the the state has made it uh, much more easy to much easier to trap beavers than you could before there's still some things that probably should be changed to make it more effective to trap beavers but uh, there there it is a pretty good place to trap beavers so the season in most of these zones uh, starts the 15th of October and goes all the way through October, November, December, January, February, March, and all the way through to the end of April. And the it, traditionally it was like uh, November through March or December through March was some of the traditional seasons when I was was growing up and and when I just got into to trapping in general. Uh, that's of course been been expanded. So it seems like oh great that's a really long season. Well, if you listen to previous podcasts or you have any experience of trapping beavers through the ice, and you know what our conditions are like, um, for a good three months out of that season you're chipping one to two feet of ice and you're digging through one to three feet of snow or more Uh, so it's hard travel it's uh, very very difficult lots of work uh, just to get to the beaver lodges and then to get through the ice and and then you got to set your traps and get them caught and the beavers aren't as active that time of year so all in all it's a very difficult to put up big numbers of beavers and like I said um, earlier there are virtually no other trappers the places that I trapped this winter nobody was trapping them just no one no one's bothering to get out and do it anymore not for a ten dollar beaver so the the extension of the season occurred I believe about 10 years ago um, it could be up as many as 12 or 14, but I think it was it was around a decade ago. Uh, and that was, again, a result of increasing beaver numbers, more uh, human-beaver conflicts with the roads and such, and not a lot of trapping pressure. And not a lot of people took advantage of it. I think uh, there weren't a lot of trappers that were really used to that spring trapping, so so it wasn't like you could just put this season in and automatically people are just going to destroy a bunch of beavers. But this old timer I talked to said that uh, he he talked with Charles Dobbins at a NTA convention one time. You know, the legendary beaver trapper, legendary trapper Charles Dobbins. And he said Charles told him if you boys ever get a spring beaver season up there in Maine, he said, I'd come and wipe them out. He said, 
and he said we we could we could take a lot of beavers and the guy you know he never really believed him he he didn't quite understand what what that all meant and and uh, after doing this season he he said you know what he was so right he knew he knew exactly what he was talking about and the reason was these the beavers you have the open water and the beaver activity just goes through the roof so what happens is you when the ice goes out beavers been cooped up under the ice for so long for um, in most cases a minimum of uh, four months four months or so depending on the, the water body and they've had one feed pile that they put together in the fall that's had to last them all the way through that time period not only is the food getting in short supply but the food is they starting to get what they call sour so just been soaking underwater for so long that it just it doesn't taste like you know like fresh bark would taste so the the beaver are are very excited about getting out and chewing on fresh food if you will uh so so that's a big part of it the other part of it, i think is just you know getting getting out and having that freedom you think about you know, being un- under ice is like probably being in a jail cell for f- several months. I suspect if a guy was in jail, if I was in jail for a few months, um, when I when I was let out, I wouldn't be going in into my bedroom, locking the door, and watching TV. I'd be out running around far and wide, all over the place, um, just just because you can, and and you start to miss that over time. So I don't know if what goes on in a beaver's mind but I gotta suspect uh, there's some level of uh, uh, of not be having been able to get out and move around uh, for so long and, and feeling pent up and then getting out and, and being able to do it uh, and and finally when things open up there is f- for for some reason I don't exactly have figured out at this point and probably have to read up on it to get the specifics but uh it's it's a very there's a it's a very strong period of territoriality so the beavers are extremely extremely adamant on marking and maintaining their territories and establishing what their territory is so all of a sudden you have um you'll have caster mounds all over the banks every all over the place everywhere and these beers just maintain and maintain these caster mounds and they're going up to them and checking them regularly and they're making sure other beavers aren't marking them up and if another beaver marked them up then then they mark them up even more get their scent on there and if they meet they fight and they is just vicious um if you ever had a beaver caught in a trap that that was still alive in the trap um, and another beaver wandered on to it, um, you know, it, it's it's not a pretty sight. Uh, these, you also notice um, if you get too late into the spring, uh, they start to get really cut up, and, and you, you skin one out, and there's just scars all over it, and there's cuts in the fur, and it's just a big mess, and, and that's that fierce fighting for territoriality. Um, and, of course, that's dependent on beaver densities in areas where beavers are 
are uh, have higher population densities. There's more competition. There's more uh, disputes over territory, and they get more cut up. Um, these guys, uh, this spring beaver season, um, have have been cleaning out a lot of these beavers, these areas, and lowering the population. They've actually been able to show that there's uh, far fewer scars and, and marks on the beavers that they're trapping now after a few years of doing this that uh, that it, it's an indicator that uh, there's less fighting for territory going on uh, an indicator they're they're impacting the population in a positive way so anyway um, because of the territoriality the uh, seeking out food um, there's probably some level of dispersal of young I uh, I hesitate to say too much without without having a better background on that because I have not researched it. Um, but, you know, the kits are getting ready to be born. And typically, right before the kits are born, uh, mama mama's kicking out the, the yearlings. So um, I, I don't know the exact time, but I suspect it's right about, right about open water, just after open water up here. So you got dispersal, you got territory marking, um, you get a whole number uh, of different of different factors and, and things at play uh, that make it very a lot easier to catch a beaver. Um, just in general, they're just moving more. So these guys and and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna reveal their names uh, and and I'm I'm gonna try not to share too many of their secrets. Uh, but I, I very much appreciate have spending time with him. Um, this one guy, just a, this old timer, is such a great guy. Um, he's from uh, further south in in the same state as me, and uh, he's an old timer trapper. He's he's got to be in his 70s now. Just a little skinny guy, and he is the one of the hardest working men I've ever seen. Uh, and he's been trapping for decades, and and it's just a really, really good trapper, really accomplished trapper, and a really positive attitude. Uh, just a great guy to talk to. So much knowledge, uh, but at the same time, um, easy, easy to get along with, and and not, not cocky, not doesn't have an ego or anything. Uh, so he he started coming up with another uh, well-known trapper in the state, running along lines. Uh, when this season got extended to the end of April, and they were coming up north, and they were trapping, they started to trap beavers in the hundreds, hundreds of beaver in two three weeks. Uh, they had one year where two of them, and there were a few other guys doing this. It kind of caught on after a couple of years of the open season, uh, but there were two of them one year. They caught like. It was really good conditions. I think they caught 880 beaver between the two of them in that season. It's just un, almost unfathomable to, uh, to 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 me to think that they catch that many. Um, and, and and you know that's that's a little abnormal, I guess. But uh, the, the, the two to four hundred is is very normal for those guys in a three week period. So how are they doing it? Um, you know it's a good time of year. Uh, there's tons and tons of beaver in this country. Uh, that's a great uh, situation for them to, to get up here and trap a whole bunch of them. They're running hard. They're running long lines. 
and uh, I get to talking with them and just kind of learning here and there and and uh, the type of sets they make and so on but I really want to learn a little a little more and actually see it so you know you hear okay you make this type of set and this is what you use and this is how you do that and that you look for these type of places and and you think you know I really I, I get that I get that from talking with somebody and I understand it and but until you actually go out and see it for yourself and run a line um, and not just run you know go to two or three sets and see him or see a guy show you how to make he makes a set the education is in going and checking 30 40 50 60 70 sets and walking up to every location and predicting based on what you learned the past, you know, the the previous checks. Okay, where's the second to be? Where would I put this at? Oh, this is where he put it. This is what he caught here. Caught a beaver here. No beaver there, and so on. Um, that's where the real education um, comes in. So um, one of these guys is a little bit younger than the old timer, and, and he's he's established himself for the past few years. He learned from this guy. And he's established himself as a very accomplished beaver trapper. He's doing a bunch of ADC work, and uh, he's putting up big numbers. Um, both of them offered for me to ride along, and uh, this the younger guy. It was it was a worked out with my work schedule, and I was able to take the day off work. And uh, you know, you think I oh, miss all day of work to go just to go around a trap line. You know what? That was. A very valuable use of my time and and I'm really glad that I did it so uh, I want to I'm going to take a real quick break and then I'm going to run you through some of the things that I learned from from running this line and uh, without sharing too many secrets uh, I I just want to want to talk a little bit about um, how it kind of opened up my eyes and different types of sets and just different different ways of thinking about about how to to run this type of trap line All right, so I did a ride along on the beaver line, and we probably we checked probably about fifty or sixty sets. I didn't do, check the whole line; um, covered a huge uh, geographic area, quite a few different towns, um, and it was slow. So it was a really slow um, couple of weeks for these guys, and and the reason was even though there was only about a week left in the season or at that time probably five days left in the season the ice was it was such a late winter that the ice was still covered in a lot of these oh at least half of the the places where they're trapping there's still ice cover and the beavers just weren't leaving uh their houses or the area immediately around the house and the feed bed so uh, that leads us to the the very first tenant of this this trap line, and I was just fascinated because you know we're riding around these places and all of a sudden we stop at this stream crossing. I'm like I'm looking looking up, looking down immediately up and downstream, and there's no beaver sign, there's no uh, house or lodge or dam or anything. Like what are we doing? And then we drive down the road a short ways and. Oh, there's a beaver lodge. There's a beaver lodge. There's a beaver lodge. And both upstream and downstream, there's lodges, but they're a long distance from where we're setting. So one of the very first things that I I learned that really clicked was 
these guys are not moving from the truck. And the the thing that they you know kept uh, kept trying to tell me was, you let the beaver come to you. And that's really the basics of a lot of guys running long lines, especially you know for high production, trying to really uh, crank out the numbers. You you have to cover a lot of ground in a lot of different areas, and you can't stop and leave your truck for 10-15 minutes going to walk into an area um, because you can spend that same amount of time making three four sets at other places. So what they're relying on is when the when the ice lets out and the beaver are moving around and active, they're gonna go to that road crossing. Um, it might be a day, it might be two days, uh, but they are gonna get they're gonna go there. They're they're gonna be there. So you let the beaver come to you. And are your chances lower because you're three hundred yards away from the beaver house? Probably. But you make up for that by setting four or five other spots and additional spots and, and adding numbers. And by doing so, um, you may catch a few less beavers per uh, site, but uh, you're, overall you're going to have so many more sets out that you're going to be far ahead. So that was, that was the first thing. Let the beaver come to you. Um, you don't need to be immediately right right on top uh, of a beaver house or a lodge. And, and we did notice that in several places where, where we caught beavers that day. Um, lo- lots of stops. Lots and lots of stops. And this was serious beaver country. So uh, obviously they'd done a lot of scouting ahead of time and knew, knew where the beavers were in the general areas and uh, where they could intersect them at these different road crossings. Uh, but again, we covered oh seven, eight different towns, just just going boom, 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 to all these different areas. Um, the the biggest thing that uh, I picked up when I walked when I first I walked down to the to the first set, and so basically the, they're using a, a combination of sets. Um, footholds and body grip traps and so so you got big footholds and then uh, 330s and probably they were 80% footholds I'd say 75 80% footholds and they're ask uh, 330 conibears um, and and the first thing that came to me so I'm coming down to and, and I and I initially thought okay caster mount set Okay, so how do you make the caster mound set? How do you you make the mound? Where do you put the lure? Um, how's the beaver gonna approach? Do you you gotta get the right water depth uh, as as you approach as the set? Um, do you want a front foot catch or a back foot catch? And how deep does that make uh, your trap? And how far back is your trap from the bank? So. And, and do you put a few guide sticks? How do you know? Do you carve out a spot for him to approach? And this this just threw all that out the window. Okay. So the the very first thing that I notice, um, and, and this is this doesn't sound like much. This is this is key in my opinion. Um, uh, the very first thing I noticed was big trap TS eighty five. So I ran all of these sets. We ran every single one of them had a TS eighty five, 
And if you're not familiar with TS-85, that is a coil spring trap, and it is the ultimate. I'm convinced now it's the ultimate beaver trap. Um, it is an eight and a half inch jaw spread, so it's a huge, huge jaw spread trap. Nice big pan. Um, it's dogless. It's easy. You know, it's easy to set, not having a dog to mess around with. Um, and the the beauty of this is. Okay, you're thinking, okay, how do I get the beaver to put his foot in? It doesn't matter. You get TS-85, it doesn't matter. Um, it covers such a huge area that it really minimizes your chances of missing a beaver. Now, you're still going to have misses, but um, the, the TS-85, I think, is key. Um, it's an expensive trap. It's $28. Uh, Twenty. It could be 30 depending on where you get it. But um, the guys that... The the uh, Cots brothers have have their name on it. Uh, it's made by a guy out in Minnesota, and uh, they Cots brothers sell it for twenty eight dollars uh, a piece. So very expensive to get started. Yeah, it's a huge investment, but man, oh man, does it make beaver trapping nice. So and the other thing, I okay. So front foot, back foot catch. Uh, what do you what do you want to aim for, and how far back do you set? How deep do you set? Well, to be honest with you. This time of year, depending on the snow melt, the weather, the rain, the water level is fluctuating. It could fluctuate a foot every day. Um, it's so it's moving so drastically. Uh, those guys, as far as I could tell, they weren't even measuring anything. They weren't even worried about it. just they're they're setting up their their lure. They're making they're looking at the approach where the beaver's going to approach, and they just push out a spot and set the trap. And set the trap down there and sometimes that was uh, three four inches of water over the trap sometimes that was a foot of water um, or more and so uh, really that uh, I think maybe perhaps there's a right way or perhaps I was overthinking it and just throw the trap in it's a big trap the water level is going to go up and down a lot's going to change you may miss them but most likely um, you're going to be just fine so uh, that that was kind of uh, I guess a little bit reassuring a little a little uncomfortable at first I kept going in and I was like how what is this what is your goal here what is you doing here what why is this one have this much water and that one has and finally toward the end I was like or halfway through the day I was like wow that it really doesn't matter. We caught beaver here. We caught beaver there, and uh, it's just a, it's just a matter. I, I think of of getting the trap in there, kind of getting a feel for it, you know, as opposed to well, it needs to be a, a foot down, a foot two feet back, and two feet deep, or a foot back, a foot deep. Um, just get a feel for how the beaver is going to approach there. Uh, make yourself a nice little spot there and uh, he'll he'll most likely step on it uh, caster mounds most of these sets were not necessarily caster mound sets now if there was a caster mound already there uh, you know the, they would set a trap uh, in front of the, the approach to the caster mound uh, however um, the the a lot of it was was not necessarily anything to do with a caster mound. So 
it was scent and a stick of aspen for bait. And I almost hate to give that trick away. I hope I'm not giving away any, anything that people don't already know. But um, there, it was both um, a bait visual and feed attractor and, and a beaver scent, a combination. Some, uh, a lot of them had both. Some of them had just, just, uh, just some scent. Some of them, you already got a caster around there. You may not even, you may not need to put anything there, but a few drops of scent, um, is, is probably going to help go a long way. So, uh, that was, that was really interesting, really interesting to, uh, to learn. And, and I guess I never really thought much about, about the stick, about the, the, the Aspen stick for bait. Um, but just, you know, pounding that into the side of the bank and, and giving the beaver a little extra something to, to go for, um, I think helps. Okay. So you're, you're, you're getting the beaver to approach and, and, uh, this old timer, um, I was pretty impressed. He actually had, you know, he mentioned he, he'd watched, uh, Clint Locklear's, uh, the whole teachers of the night, the night vision stuff. And they, you know, talked about what I've heard Clint talk about on this podcast is the way that a beaver approaches a caster mound. Um, maybe not what we think as trappers, you know, we're thinking he's going directly in and directly out. And a lot of times they're coming all they're they're coming up to it and they're going around the backside um doing their thing in the casting around and coming out a totally different way from what they came in and so you know this guy was kind of making some of these sets uh and i thought it was really smart where um he he knew he he may not be be getting the beaver going on the way in um but he tried to get him on the way out and uh just a it's just sort of every situation is uh, is unique, and uh, you kind of have to you have to think about that, think about all the different variables uh, when you when you pull up to a set and decide how you're going to make that set. So the the approach the approach was interesting. The whole casting around thing, the whole bait uh, lure. Um, and then another, so another really interesting thing was um, these these beaver were were hitting so long line and hitting road crossings, right? So you're going to one road crossing, going to the next road crossing, the next road crossing. So so there's a good chance the beavers are are crossing, um, moving along that drainage. Uh, upstream to downstream or downstream to upstream uh, probably um, 50 50 50 percent are going downstream 50 percent are going upstream in general so beavers w- what I noticed a, an incredible amount of is those beavers are not moving through the culverts and under the bridges like like I originally would have thought and so so you got these these really nice spots where um why don't you just set you got a nice little culvert there you got an easy travel way it's not the current's not too fast perfect just set the 330 bear at the mouth of that culvert and you'll get the beaver going in he's got to go through right well then the guy was you know that was 
had me riding along, he says, look over here, look over there. And he showed me all these trails. And they're trails that the beavers are using going around that culvert, climbing up the road embankment, going across the paved road, going back down the embankment on the other side of the stream, the other side of the road, back into the stream. And it was time after time after time after time. And it was just so, to, it finally clicked. It's like, this is incredible. They're not even using the culvert. And they may they may go downstream through the culvert or through the, the bridge um, or box culvert or whatever whatever you have um, at that particular crossing, they may go downstream. They're definitely not fighting the current going upstream. Um, I'm, I'm pretty certain of that in almost all cases. But even going downstream, I think a lot of times they're nervous to go through there or they just don't, uh, for some reason, they want to go up onto the road and go down. Um, who knows, maybe, maybe it gives them a little chance to get up high and pick up some scent for, of other beavers or whatever, I don't know. But anyway, uh, maybe it's just the, the factor of the upstream moving beavers are all crossing the road and most of the downstream ones are, are going through the culvert. But uh, very interesting. And places where I would have sat right near the culvert and all of a sudden these guys are sat near these trails quite a ways back, uh, that's where they're catching beavers. So another thing to think about is, is where, those, where those beavers are, are moving and how they're getting across that road. Okay, another thing is drowning sets. So one of the things that I, I ha, has been kind of a pain for me is is doing this spring beaver trap and is doing this drowning set. So so our for us all footholds in the spring season are required to have drowning sets. So that means you know you got to have your cable and you got to have your you could use drowning rods, but in most cases where we're trapping, it's hard to find a good situation for a drowning rod. The, the banks just aren't steep enough. Um, so sometimes that can really limit where you where you put your, um, whether you can use a rod where you put your set. Um, <clears throat> but it, so typically it's a cable and uh, they were using burlap sacks full, full of rock, filled with rocks very very simple and I probably spend when I make a drowning set I probably spend 10 minutes on the drowning set uh, this young guy he he spent about 10 seconds on his drowning set and so I'm you know trying to tie up the burlap or I get a concrete block or whatever and I'm trying to get that attached and get the other end attached and so so what I'm using is I'm pounding a rebar stake in where my trap is and then I've got an anchor on the other end and I'm running that out and I got my cable nice and tight um, got my trap attached and I make my sap they're not pounding any ca any rebar any stake whatsoever instead what they're doing is the top end of their cable is wired to a tree we got trees everywhere in Maine all these streams have trees growing right next to them. So the top end is wired to a tree. The bottom end is is uh, cinched on to the, the burlap sack. Um, just a, a loop in the cable that tightens, cinches down. And the biggest thing that caught me that was like, 
I I it was a real eye opener was that your cable does not have to be perfectly tight and it does not have to be perfectly straight. So basically he's taken uh, he's got that wire the up top end wire to the tree and he's got the sack full of rocks, he just tosses that on the deep pool. He said the beaver will get to the end of it. And he will. He will get to the end of it. You think about it. Um, when that beaver gets caught, he's pulling, he's going he's going deeper and deeper and deeper until he gets to the end of that cable. Regardless of whether the cable is perfectly straight, the cable is a little bit loose and there's a couple feet of play there, um, he's still going to make it to the end of that uh, cable at the bag. So that was like, it was just a no-brainer. You know, you knock yourself in the head like, idiot. That I could have been making this set in 10 seconds, not 10 minutes. Um, so it, it can be quick and it can be easy. And that leads me to uh, the next thing is time and efficiency. Um, every set was quick and easy. Everything. Quick, 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 easy, easy, easy. Um, catch a beaver. Um, you know, get it out. Pull up your thing. Remake the set. Put a drop or two of lure on. Uh, get your bait in there. Get your trap set. Toss out your bag. And you, and you move on to the next spot. Uh, so time and efficiency was critical. Um, now for the 20-25% of the sets that were conibears. So those are all blind sets. And they're in places where uh, the beavers, you know, you got some channels or places where you expect the beavers to be uh, moving through. And um, th it was very interesting. So the the old timer has a method of setting these conibears. And, and, oh, I was thinking about whether I should say much about this um i i just hate to you know things that guys have have developed over the years i hate to spill the beans on them just in case they you know it's really um, pretty valuable stuff but um suffice it to say if these guys long line and beavers up here are a lot less meticulous with the conibear setting methods than than i am I want that corner bear to be anchored solid. Um, I I guess I I don't I don't want it to I don't want it to have any give whatsoever when a beaver swims through it. Now I just always that's just the way I think as a trapper. I don't want that moving. Well, they're setting them to where they're not really that stand up that solid, and you could push them over with with. Uh, probably your pinky finger pretty easily so I'm thinking about that and why the heck are they doing it that way and, and you know he's got it he's got he's got the springs a certain way he's got the trap oriented a certain way uh, the trigger um, is in relation to the current the trigger is set a certain way and the sticks that are used to anchor the 330 and the pattern that those sticks are in very inconspicuous you wouldn't see it if you're walking up that trap you'd have a hard time seeing it and th not very rugged and so um, a couple of the things that those guys uh, told me number one they they actually watched um, a couple years before that year or two before that they watched an old beaver swim up to a 330 they had w with a bunch of blocking on it and sticks and stop and flip his tail and set that 330 off and go the other direction. And they watched that beaver a little while later 
go right in and get caught in a 330 that the other guy had set. So they, you know, they could see this as as a potential deterrent, not only being conspicuous as in other trappers seeing your set, but beavers actually knowing that your set's there, knowing that something ain't right when that's all fenced off and you got, you know, a bunch of big sticks sticking out. So um, there's a method to that. And, And really when you think about body grip traps, the animal, you know, beaver, beaver and otter, they're pretty slick and, you know, they move through the water and they're dodging stuff and they're moving around and through sticks and under and over stuff all the time. And so just because your trap's a little flimsy, they're going to find the opening and all they got to do is move that trigger and they're caught and they're, they're whacked. So, you know, when I get to think about it a little more, it's like, you know, maybe your trap doesn't need to be perfectly rugged and, and immovable. You know, it, it's still something I'm working on trying to convince myself that, um, that this method is a better way to do it, but, um, it's kind of starting to make sense, you know, in, in, in the, uh, in the name of not only efficiency, but maybe effectiveness. Um, when you talk about something that, uh, is a little harder, harder for those beaver, uh, to see and to know that something might not be right there and, uh, efficiency and, and quickness of making a bunch of those sets. So, um, Anyway, that's I kind of made a list of a bunch of that stuff, and I kind of I rattled off most of them. Um, finally, the last thing I wanted to mention about um, learning, you know, long line and beaver trapping, is having fun, and and that was something that there's, you know, you got a guy in his a guy in his late forties, early fifties, and a guy in his seventies, and just the youthful enthusiasm those guys had about this spring beaver trapping was unbelievable just running this long line and and that's all they thought about and they're running 60 80 sets 100 sets so they both of them were got got up and running there they had a, over 100 sets going and they got floods coming and all pulling sets and remaking sets and oh that was another thing is is and i struggle with this and i continue to struggle with it is pulling pulling and moving pulling and moving pulling and moving and they don't a guy says he get 80 sets out. When I say I have 80 sets out, I probably have set 80 and left them there and then pulled them, and I'm done. When they have 80 sets going for two weeks, effectively they they may have these 80 sets going for three four days. Then they pull. They're pulling 20 of them, 30 of them, moving them. The next day they're pulling 20, 30, moving. The next day they're pulling 20, 30, moving. Reset them in new places. So they have far more than 80 locations. They have 80 sets, but they may have, um, you know, they may have 250, 300 locations. That's really how you put up the big numbers. Um, It's maybe small percentages per location, small numbers per location, um, but constantly moving and and just the mental ability to to pull set, pull set, pull set, and, and just keep going. Uh, is really what it's all about. And that's a big part of the having fun. Uh, enjoying yourself, being enthusiastic. These guys just love to trap. They love to trap and it's so contagious. You just, you know, if I didn't have a <laughs> a job and a family and a whole pile of other things to do, I'd love to just sit around, talk trapping and skin beavers with them the whole time uh, and, and run a line myself. But anyway, um, 
I hope that helped you and provide a little bit of insight in, in uh, to what I learned and and maybe help you learn a few things uh, about about spring beaver trapping and uh, trapping in general. So uh, anyway, just glad to share it with you. Thanks for tuning in. Appreciate appreciate you guys listening and. We'll wrap it up and we'll catch you in the next episode. I'm not sure when that'll be. We're getting into summer, getting real busy, um, but I'll see uh, see how things go. All right, take care. Catch you next time.